Perhaps you're familiar with the, the, the term, the reason for the season. Maybe it came to your house in the form of a greeting card, or maybe you saw it on social media. Maybe somebody just mentioned it to you in passing, that we should remember the, 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 the reason for the season. And I, I'm curious, do you know what is the reason for the season? It's one of those phrases that gets thrown around a lot, but does it, does it actually mean something? And if so, what is it that it means? Um, I was, I was trying to think, well, maybe, maybe people, you know, haven't gotten those greeting cards the way I have. Maybe they haven't heard this phrase. And I was thinking I would go, go online and find an example that I could put on the screen. And then I decided, actually, people have seen this. And the reason I did that is because there was screen after screen after screen. I kept seeing hundreds and hundreds of examples of this phrase, the reason for the season. But it made me wonder all the more. When people keep saying the, the reason for the season or the remember the reason for the season, it made me wonder, what is the reason for the season? Do, do the people making these beautiful little designs, do they know what is the reason for the season? And the reason I wondered is because a lot of them don't give the answer that, that I would give, the answer that, that I'm, I believe that the, the Bible is going to show us in our reading today. And... Um, and that made me wonder, do you know what is the reason for the season? If if somebody who had never heard the phrase before came to you and they said, I saw this thing on social media, or I got a greeting card this year, and I'm wondering, can you tell me what is the reason for the season? And I think a lot of people would answer, Jesus is the reason for the season. In fact, about half of the the illustrations that I was looking at showed exactly that. They said, Jesus is the reason for the season. And I, I think that that's... That's not false, but it's not true. It's not completely true. It, it it is missing a big part of the story. And the reason for that is is Jesus is a what, but a reason requires a why. That that to simply say Jesus, it doesn't answer the question. It, you know, it, it, Jesus, what? You know, we, it invites us to say, well, what about Jesus? And uh, if you think about the 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 why questions in our world suppose somebody came up to you and said remember the reason for operation warp speed and you might think you know news stories about the the different uh, vaccines that are now available that that now two of them have been um, approved and and uh, some some people have already gotten their first shots and and you've seen pictures of of them on TV and and uh and you're thinking, well, I know what is the reason for Operation Warp Speed. Uh, I, I know the reason that the the medical, the pharmaceutical companies went went to work right away, and researchers and and they did expedited testing, and they did um, expedited uh, regulatory approval, and then the the manufacturing took took place at the same time. Now, usually, it takes place after the approval's been granted, but in this case, they, they did it at the same time, hoping that the approval would be granted. And then there was all the effort to, the, the, the logistical challenges of rolling out and deploying the vaccine across a, a big country. And so we've been hearing about Operation Warp Speed, but is the answer, you know, what is the reason for Operation Warp Speed? Is it a vaccine? Is it just a vaccine? How is that a reason? I mean, it, it is a vaccine that does something. So we might say you, you have a vaccine so that you can interrupt the transmission of the of the disease. You say that's a good thing, but is that really the answer? Because I think that behind that is is a deeper answer, which is so that people won't get sick. It interrupts the transmission of the disease so that people won't get sick. 
But we might even go further than that. We might say that the the reason, the real deep reason for Operation Warp Speed was to get society back to normal, to, to send people back to work and, and get kids back in schools, that, that there are things we want this to achieve. We certainly, uh, we certainly want it to interrupt the, the transmission of the disease and we, we're hoping that people won't get sick, but, but we want, we, we want to get out of our, our bad state right now. So that's the reason for the, the vaccine. And maybe there's other reasons if you stop and think about it. But, but the vaccine itself is not the answer. And in the same way, the reason for the season is not Jesus. It's something about Jesus. Jesus is the instrument, but Jesus is not himself the reason for the season. So what is the reason for the season? Well, it, in the same way we thought about the, the, the Operation Warp Speed, we might say, well, uh, I guess maybe the reason for the Christmas season is, is so Jesus came to earth. That, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And that's true. That's true. But it's not a very good why. I mean, it's, it's not, again, it's not, it's not false. But is it really the answer? I mean, so what? Uh, you know, it, it invites that so what question. So we might say, well, the, the, the so what is that that fulfills pr- prophecy, that God had promised to do this. And so, so what is that God has fulfilled his promise to send Jesus? So we might say, well, that's, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good answer, but I'm still wondering, you know, kind of, so what? I mean, why, why would I care about that? And, I think what a lot of people, where, where a lot of people would go, you know, particularly people who've sat in churches, they've probably heard this phrase before. They would say, so Jesus could be an atoning sacrifice. And, and again, that's not untrue. But it's not the best why, it's not the best answer to the why question. It's not the deepest answer. Because it invites the question, why did he have to do that? Is there something special about atoning sacrifices? Why, why is that important? And I know I've said why so many times. I sound like a four-year-old. You know, why is the sky blue? You know, you know, why is water wet? And, and I know it sounds kind of like, well, you could just play this game forever, but it's an important question. And, uh, our reading today shows us why. Because, why? Um, our reading today shows us how it is an important question. And, and the reason is that Paul had had told the people that he was writing to, but they had forgotten. They had forgotten the reason for the season because because uh, they they had begun to act as if they believed something else that they had a a new and different reason for the season, and it, it, or at least that's the way they were acting. And so Paul, when when these reports reached Paul about that, he wrote them this letter. And so we're going to look at the answer that Paul gives in this letter. Not to tell them something that's new information, but to remind them what they've already heard. And that makes it good for us, because it makes it much more succinct. We don't have to hear the entire the entire argument laid out that Paul would have given when he first uh, visited these people. So, so who are these people and who is Paul? Well, the Apostle Paul was a missionary evangelist and he and some of his traveling companions went around the Mediterranean Rim uh, during the, the, the late 40s and, and 50s AD um, 
and and they told a lot of people about Jesus. They they shared the good news about Jesus, and they introduced people to Jesus. That that people began to experience uh, uh, Jesus not simply as a historical fact, but as but as a living person. And so they formed communities of people who had put their trust in this living. Jesus and they, those communities are called churches. So Paul and his traveling companion Barnabas had been through a region uh, called Galatia. Galatia is in the central part of Asia Minor. So if you looked at a modern map today, it would be in the, the southern part, uh, just kind of below the, the center of the, the modern nation of Turkey. That's the area of Galatia. And Paul and Barnabas had been through there in about 47 AD. And they had told the people in Galatia about Jesus. And, and they had, they had uh, formed this community of people who had trusted Jesus. So, so that's who uh, the letter is written to, and as I said, Paul wrote the letter because the people had um, had started to behave in a way that wasn't consistent with the reason for the season. It wasn't consistent with what Paul had told them about Jesus. So Paul wrote them this letter. So what was it that they had started to to believe? How how had they started to act that made Paul so concerned? Well, what had happened apparently is that. Uh, somebody else had followed along behind uh, Paul and Barnabas. Uh, maybe it was a group of people, maybe it was a single individual, but they had come into the area after Paul and Barnabas had left, and they had told the, the people in Galatia something different. They had said something that is not the reason for the season. They had, they had said that God loved other people more than he loved the Galatians. That, that the, 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 what they had done is they had communicated to people that God didn't love them the way he loved certain other people, that there was this favored group that God loved more than them. But they had said, if you do something, there's something you can do to make God love you, that if you start behaving like those other people, if you start acting like them, then God will love you as much as he loves them. That's the message that that they had they had been told and that they were beginning to act uh, presumably they, they believed it because they began to act that way. And that's what, that's what made Paul so concerned. And it's why he wrote this letter. That they believed that God loved somebody else more than he loved them. And that there was a way that they could act. There was something they could do. There was, there was a set of rules that they could observe that if they did, then God would love them. And unfortunately, that message did not end with Galatia. It is, it is an evergreen message. It, it occurs over and over again. People keep hearing this message, and that's why we need to remember the reason for the season, the reason that Paul's about to tell them. The, the reason is because this message keeps getting passed on. People keep getting told today that, that God doesn't love you as much as he loves these other people. But if you behave a certain way, if you act like those other people, if you do this other thing, if you, if you do this, then God will love you or he'll start to love you. And that message keeps getting told. And, and it's unfortunate as we'll see, it is not the reason for the season. But, but my guess is this is not news to some of you. Some of you know that that's, that's a message that, that people who call themselves Christians have, have been saying. Maybe they've said it to you. Maybe they said it to you when you were young and your mom got divorced. Maybe they've, they've told you personally that, that God doesn't like the way you behave. And if you behave a different way, then God will love you as much as he loves 
other people. Maybe that's the reason you left that church. Maybe that's the reason it was your last church and you haven't been back in a church ever since. This is a message as old as the New Testament itself. And unfortunately, people forget the reason for the season. So let's see what is the reason for the season. And again, we're just going to read just a very small portion of this letter because because Paul is reminding them of something they already know. He's not telling them something that they haven't heard before. So we're going to read uh, chapter 4 of the letter to the Galatians, and we're just going to read four verses. So, so Paul begins this way. He says, But when the fulfillment of the time came, Paul says, we're talking about Christmas. When Christmas occurred, when this actual historical event that, that took place in a particular time, in a particular place, when that happened, when Christmas happened, what? God sent His Son, born through a woman, and born under the law. So God did something. God did something at Christmas. So what is that? He says, he's going to tell us, but before he does, he says, he says, he sent his son born through a woman and born under the law. So what does he mean by that? Well, born under a woman is the, is a way of saying that, that he sent somebody who would be human, that, that, uh, everybody you meet was born to a woman, that, uh, Everyone you will ever meet, you can travel from one side of this planet to another, and you will never meet anybody who was not born of a woman. You, you will, you will live to be 110, and you will never meet anybody who wasn't born to a woman. He's saying, God sent His Son to be a human being, to be one of us, to, to be just like us. But, Jesus was not a generic person. There are no generic people. You know, pollsters talk about generic voters, but there aren't any generic voters. There's only particular voters. And in the same way, Jesus couldn't be a generic person. He had to be a particular person, just like you're a particular person, just like I'm a particular person, just like Paul and the Galatians were particular people. So, uh, he was a particular woman. Well, what kind? Of, uh, he was a particular person. What kind of person was he? Well, he was a person who was born under the law. Paul is saying that that he was born uh, a Jew, that he was born as part of a culture and, and a, a, a community that subscribed to a set of rules. Those are the rules that the, the Galatians had been told about, that there was this set of rules that collectively constituted the, the Jewish law, and Jesus was born under the law. So why is that significant? Well, it's first of all because Jesus is an actual person. He was born in a particular place, in a particular uh, uh, culture, and a particular community. But it's more than that. It's saying that Jesus was born one of those people you've been told are so awesome, the people that God loves, that that God loves more than you. So he's saying Jesus was born one of uh, one of them. But he goes on. He doesn't simply say so, so, you know, Jesus could be one of the, the upper crust, that Jesus could be one of the special people. He says this. He says, he was born under the law, verse five, so that he could redeem those under the law. See, he's saying that those, those special people, the people that God loves so much, they needed to be redeemed just as much as every person born of a woman. That there was nothing special about them in that regard. They needed to be redeemed just like anybody else. So what, what does, what does redemption mean? 
well, it means to trade one thing for another, typically to trade money for something else. You redeem a coupon or something like that. Uh, today, that's the kind of use. We, we have this commercial transaction uh, uh, mindset when we say the word redeem. But, but in the first century, usually what it meant it was to buy someone. So if somebody had become a prisoner, if they had uh, committed some infraction or, or their side had lost a war, that they would be enslaved and they needed to be uh, purchased back. So, so the language Paul uses here is, is the, the idea of someone who's been purchased back. So what are they purchased back from? So he says, redeem those under the law. So, so the law is the thing that they are redeemed from. What, what is, what is Paul getting at here? Well, we, we could read the whole letter and we see Paul uses a number of different illustrations to describe this, the, the law that they are redeemed from. And some of them are very positive. Some of them are like, uh, um, the, the guardian, the, the law is like a guardian who is taking care of a minor child that, that he's too young to fend for himself. And so, uh, the law acts like a, a guardian who takes care of him. That's a positive image, but there are also negative images. One of the other images Paul uses is the idea of a custodian, somebody who's who's making sure that people don't get out of custody, that they're being held in custody. In fact, the language he uses is not just custody, they have become enslaved. And so they are they are held by a custodian. And so Paul uses positive images and negative images, but the point he's making is that either way, people had to be redeemed from under the law. So he says they could be redeemed under the law. Now, is that the reason for the season? So that people could be redeemed from the law? Well, it's part of the reason. It's, it's an answer, and it's an answer to a why question, but it's not the best answer because Paul continues in the same verse. He says, so that we could be adopted. We were redeemed from the law so that we could be adopted. And in English, that sounds like, you know, we could be adopted, but maybe we aren't. And so, so if we're a Galatian, if we're reading this, we might think, well, if we start to behave like those other special people, then we could be adopted. But that's not what Paul's getting at. And the reason we know that is because in the very next verse, Paul says, this has already happened. He says, because you are sons and daughters, because you are sons and daughters, you have already been adopted. God already sees you as his child. God loves you as much as he loves all of his children, that there's nobody else on the whole planet, there's nobody who's ever lived that God loves any more than you. But we are particular people, that some people are born under the law, some people are Jews, and some people are Gentiles, some people are born in Galatia, some people are born in Anchorage, that we're all particular people, and so God God uh, uh, loves us each in our particularity, that, that we are individuals and God loves us each individually, and so that plays out in different ways. But God loves us all uh, every bit as much as he loves anyone else. So, how do we know that? He says, because God did something else. God did not simply send Jesus at Christmas. God also sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. He says, Jesus. what Jesus did was on the outside. It was, it was an objective reality. What Jesus did was objective. But God also gave us a subjective proof that God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. And it is within our heart that the Spirit cries, Abba, Father, that the Spirit of God Himself testifies that we are God's children. So, God sent Jesus to redeem us so we could be adopted, and the Spirit testifies 
to us internally, subjectively, the Spirit testifies that we are God's children. And that is the reason for the season. That is the reason, so that we could be adopted as God's children. But Christmas is the season of gift-giving, and Paul isn't quite done yet. So he adds a little gift on top of that. So it's not just a reason, it's a gift that God gives us. He says this, Therefore, you are no longer a slave, you're no longer held by a custodian, you're no longer dependent on a particular type of behavior, a set of rules that you have to you have to obey. He says, you're no longer one of them, but you are a son or daughter. And if you are his child, you are also an heir through God. You're also an heir. Now, Paul's going to go into some more detail as the, as the letter unfolds, what that actually means. But, it, but essentially what Paul's getting at is this. We are particular people. We have particular struggles. You know, people born in our era have the struggle of living through this pandemic and, and all the ways that that's played out for us. We have our own struggles. We have, we have different relationships with, with substances. We have different, we have different ways that we have expressed our, our sexuality. There's, there's different things about us. And he says, he says that as an heir, that God puts all of his resources at our disposal, that the, the things we struggle with in our lives, the, the challenges that we face as his children, God doesn't hold any of that back. He says, he says, take it, whatever, whatever you need to deal with your particular circumstances or your particular identity, God makes that available to you. If you are a son or a daughter, then you are also an heir through God. So, God acted. God did something. The reason for the season is that God has done something. Not that, that we should start doing something or stop doing something. The reason for the season is that God has acted. God the Father acted in sending His Son and sending the Holy Spirit. The entire triune personhood of God acted to do something. And what was that? It was to redeem us so we could be his children. That is the reason for the season. It's not something we have to do. It's something God has already done. So, why am I telling you this? What What is the significance of this? Why are there so many pictures that tell us to remember the season, reason for the season? Because people forget. People forget what's in the letter to the Galatians. People start to believe others who come along and tell them that, that God loves somebody else. God loves people who behave a certain way more than God loves them. So what we do with it is we share this good news. We, we share the reason for the season. And there's two people in particular that we should share this with. The first one is anybody who's discouraged or uh, depressed or anxious, anybody who's who's worried about their status. Uh, people, you know, this is the year for that. You probably know some people like that. So, so share with them this good news. Say, God sent Jesus to adopt us as his children. And because we are his children, he puts his entire resources at our disposal as we deal with our circumstances and our own individual struggles. This is something that that we have as a promise. Uh, we see it all through the scriptures, but in particular in the letter to the Galatians. We might add, 
we might say, and you know what? Because you're a child of God, you're also my brother or my sister. And so I'd like to know, what can I do to help? So the first type of person we can tell this to is people who are dealing with troubles, people who are anxious or or depressed because of their troubles. The second category of person we might tell this to, um, we might not actually tell it to. We might just we might just say it about them, and that's the people we grit our teeth about. It's the people that we shake our fist at, or we say unkind things about, or we think unkind thoughts about. And when we do that, a really good thing to do along with that is to say, "But you know what? God sent His Son." so that he could be adopted, so that she could be adopted, that they are a child of God every bit as much as I am. And that status does not change based on their behavior, based on the way that they have treated me or the way that I've treated them. They are children of God. We need to tell those two people in particular about their status as children of God. But I'm going to add one more. I'm going to add one more. We should tell ourselves. And so I'm going to ask you, as, a, as an application of this message, to tell yourself that twice a day. It's a simple sentence. God sent his son so that we could be redeemed from the law and adopted as his children. God sent his son so we could be redeemed from the law and adopted as his children. Tell yourself that twice a day. When you first look in the mirror in the morning, look at yourself and don't, don't, don't tell yourself that you're handsome or pretty. Tell yourself you're a child of God. And do the same thing in the evening. Before you go to bed, take one last look in the mirror and say, I am a child of God because God sent his son to redeem me from the law so I could be adopted as his child. As a community of faith, I think this is a question Christians need to ask ourselves. Are we telling that message? Are we telling the people who are depressed and anxious? Are we telling people who drive us nuts that they are children of God? Or are we acting like the others, the people that Paul wrote this letter about, the people who have shared somehow, uh, communicated in some way or another, that actually know God loves some people more than he loves them? Because as a community of faith, our responsibility is to, is to communicate the good news that is the reason for the season. Let's pray. Loving and holy God, we thank you that Jesus came to redeem us from the law so that we could be adopted as your children. We thank you, God, that you have made us heirs and that you have put all of your resources at our disposal as we deal with the, the struggles of our lives and the, the trying circumstances that we face. Lord, help us to communicate this message and not not the alternative message. Help us to communicate the true reason for the season with the people around us. We pray all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen.